0: This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. The themes and topics about to be discussed include serious mental illness and may be very triggering for some people. If you think you could be affected, please make sure you press pause and think carefully before listening to this podcast. If you decide to proceed, please make sure you have support and a health professional you can speak with later if needed. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. Today, I'll be discussing the dangers of how the Internet is changing us and how to take back control with cognitive neuroscientist, Professor Mark Williams. Professor Mark Williams is an internationally recognised Professor of Cognitive Neuroscience. He's a conference speaker and has worked at top universities in Australia and overseas, including MIT in the USA. He's been published in top tier international academic journals and been widely featured in the media. Mark runs programs for schools and businesses on the neuroscience of learning and the impact of modern technologies on our brains. Mark is currently focusing on making cognitive neuroscience accessible to the general public. His academic background allows him to communicate with authority on science and his passion for education makes him accessible to a wide audience. Mark, you've been warning us for years now and in schools and universities about the power of technology and the internet to change us. And now you're out in the world even more so, which is fantastic, educating people about this. I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you captured my attention um, on Channel 10 when I was doing something else at my computer and I thought, that's Mark Williams. I know that voice. And it was promotions for the documentary Todd Sampson's just out um late uh, october it was wasn't it 2022 Mm -hmm. um on the power of the internet and how it's been changing us and downgrading our iq i think is something you mentioned
1: yeah it it is a real problem i think and as uh, tom todd also agrees which is great to have someone like todd um involved in this now and actually trying to promote the issues that we're having um i think it's We've got a new technology that we haven't got control of yet and we need to get control of it and there's a lot of big multinational companies are making huge amounts of money out of our attention and out of our kids' attention without any real recognition or um, value around the importance of their attention, of how we need our attention to actually live in this world and we need to be able to control our attention and they're just capturing that and they're taking that and they're making money out of that and we need to be aware of that and we need to start regulating it and we need to start controlling it because these companies are making huge amounts of money and we're the ones who are missing out. And I think that's really sad.
0: It's so sad. And we feel, I think a lot of people do feel that they're not missing out. They're getting the benefit of technology and the internet. But <laughs> but the downside is, has been creeping up on us a bit like the frog in the pot, I think.
1: Yeah, the technology's great. It's you know We've got computers in the, our back pockets. Computers that used to take up house to do exactly the same thing but we're not using it in a positive way I mean these things could make our lives more productive but they're not they're actually making us less productive because we're constantly looking at them we're constantly going to them they could make our lives give us access to more information but they don't because of the algorithms that are running in the background so we know we have access to less information now than we ever have in the past and that's that's just shocking I think you know we we should have access to more information and we don't it's Making it more bipolar, so we're all getting further and further apart in how we think about the world and whether we agree with each other, especially in areas like politics, um, you know, sexual harassment and sexual
0: discrimination. Yeah,
1: I was going to say something much worse. But yeah, those sorts of things are also on the um, uptake. Uh, It's it's very sad what's happening and I don't Mm -hmm. think people really recognise how bad it's actually becoming. And our intellect is being affected, our ability to actually remember what we do. So one of the really simple things is if you use a Wayfinder app, any of those apps to get mm. around in the world. That area of your brain is called the parahippocampal place area that allows you to get around in the world. And if you don't map out where you've been during the day, you don't have the connections and to connect that to your episodic memory, which is in your hippocampus. And so you don't remember what you did during the day as well if you actually use a Wayfinder app to get there. So, you know, even what we do during the day has been affected by something that we would have never really linked those two things before. Now we understand how those two things work. Now we understand the impact that it's having. We need to be more aware of that and actually stop, especially children and and teenagers, from using the apps as often so that they don't affect their episodic memory, which is their understanding of themselves and what they've done and all the memories they have. And that's just one of the many aspects that are causing issues
0: absolutely and this being the first generation of kids who've only known life with mobile internet that that impact on their brains i mean it's bad enough for us as old adults now but for kids growing uh, that's transformational for their brains
1: yeah because we need to develop these abilities first we know that the brain is very plastic and it starts off um, with lots of potential and all, all kids have huge potential and then you need to then develop it by actually using it and developing all these different abilities so that you end up being a very successful individual. And if you don't develop those abilities, then you never have them to sustain them. At least you and I grew up in a world where there wasn't these technologies. And so we developed those abilities to begin with. And so now we mm. all we've got to do is sustain them. Yeah. And even that we're not doing very well, but at least we can, we can try to do that. Um, but yeah, I really do worry about these kids. Uh, what happens if they never develop them? What happens if they aren't going down that route? And there's a lot of people now now writing about the fact that the most valued ability we're going to have in the future is attention is our ability to attend to things because that's what's been most affected by these mobile phones
0: yeah and with artificial intelligence being able to do so much more i guess it's individuals ability to have the soft skills and these are part of those soft skills isn't it and you've talked about this for years
1: Yeah, and and those soft skills are so important for us as humans. You know, our ability to actually interact with each other—it activates, as you would know, activates more of the brain than anything else we can do, and it's better for us than Mm. anything else. There's no drug as good as sitting down and chatting with someone, right? And that's what we need to realize: is that actually communicating with the people, sitting down, talking to someone, activates more of the brain than anything else, and that's what we really should be doing most of. And we're doing the least of that because we spend so much time on these devices. Even I work with organizations. And one of the big problems is people aren't collaborating anymore because there's no longer the the, the, the talks around the the, the water cooler or mm-hmm. the talk in the kitchen or the talk in between meetings because everyone's on their mobile phone or on their computer and so we don't talk to each other anymore so people don't actually collaborate with anybody anymore they don't know who the person who sits down you know in the other office is yeah. or who they're, they're, um, what they've done the weekend or any of these things and those are really important for us as humans to actually Get to know each other so that we can collaborate with each other so that we will be more innovative and more creative and end up you know making this world better than it is today
0: absolutely and look we're going to talk on another podcast about your wonderful new book on um, the connected species and this these connections are so fundamental to who we are as humans and i guess the pandemic kind of divided people that wanted those connections and suffered not having them which we know evolutionarily that we need. Um, however, there, there seems to be a bit of a divide in adults of those who seem to have um, a- adjusted to being unconnected or less connected and connected only by internet and sh- those that have missed it.
1: Yeah, I don't think there is. I think people, so th- there's a group of people who think that they're better off without it and yeah. they're actually not. I, yeah. I, I did a great um, workshop recently with an organisation. They, they, do a lot of stuff online and they were just trying to get some of their employees back so that they could spend at least one or two days a week together to actually collaborate. And they were really worried about the mental health of a lot of their employees. And the employees were really hesitant. They just didn't want to do it. So we got together for a day and I I explained, you know, the the neuroscience behind it and why we should be doing it. And then we did lots of little fun things together. And it was a a great day. I had a great day and I think all of the employees did too. and there was a lot of people there that before that day were saying that that yep. no I, I like it the way it is i want to sit in my office at home i don't want yeah. to see anybody i want to walk my dog Da da, da. now they're all meeting twice a week you Wonderful. know because th- that's important yeah. and they realized how important that was and they're all better off now yeah. and they're more productive now and they're more collaborative now and their mental health is better because it is really important to do that it's harder mm. absolutely right we do um get anxious or a lot of people get anxious when they come face to face because we haven't done it for a while and that ability has has lagged off uh, over that period of time but it's important it really is important for our mental health um and all those other things which are you know important for our ability to be collaborative and productive and all these things that we need to in organizations
0: yeah in organizations and in life in personal (laughs) life in relationships (laughs) in families community um and That's such an important point, and I think we'll talk about these solutions a bit more towards the end of the podcast as well and remind people that we need to remind ourselves and each other that while it may not come as naturally as it used to, to connect in person, we need it desperately for our survival and thriving of ourselves individually and to help each other, that we make the effort um, and rituals and so forth of going back into the office, going back out into the community.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely
0: you talked back in um the show with todd sampson um the two of you and others about how we love and hate and hate seems to be so much on the rise um and i i guess you know we see it so much in the internet these days
1: yeah it's it's a very primitive response to the world Um, and it's a very important response right it's fear (laughs) <laughs> hate really is just fear. Yeah. Um, and so we we need to understand that it is a primitive response that we need to understand when there is something out there that we hate, that we fear, mm. that we want to get away from. Um, and it does draw us in. It does capture our attention. So we do, we are drawn to hate. We are drawn to fear. We are drawn to angry. Um, and we, we know that and we've known that for a long time. The problem is when you you're subjected to it constantly, You become adapted to it Mm -hmm. um, and you just want more of it, right, to get the same response. And that's why we have this issue, especially on the internet, where we're being fed information, which we know is going to keep people's attention. Um, And so these algorithms don't have any ethics. They don't have any morals behind them. They're doing these things automatically and they're just looking at what works. And they're doing it hundreds, millions of times every day. And they know that hate works and fear works. And anger works and so they just feed that more and more to people and they feed it more and more extreme versions of that because they see that they need to become more and more extreme as we get more adapted to it. So it's this combination of adapting to it and something which has evolved, which is important for us, but isn't something that we would have had in this Um, at these amounts. I mean, it's very similar to the opposite, which is, of course, enjoyment or happiness. So Mm -hmm. so chocolate, you know, Mm. or sugar in our diets and all all these things. Again, it was very important for us to get sugar in our diet because we didn't have a lot of food and we needed any sort of, yeah, and and it's a really good source of um, uh, uh, energy. um, And so therefore we are... driven to find sugar or to find things that have high energy levels and that's why we like sugar and we like fat but of course now that we have sugar and fat in everything Mm. and we have it freely available everywhere we have too much of it and it's bad for us and we've got the opposite with the hate as well on the internet and we need to get control of it and while we've got getting control of the fat and the sugar we're not getting control of the hate, which is very sad
0: very sad as you say the big tech companies are running us and it's only And it's quite a battle to stay conscious um, and stay off the phone and stay away from these algorithms that are programming us Mm. um, because it's insidious.
1: It is. Um, So I did, I've written a little piece in my book about the fact that when COVID first started, I started getting very worried about what was going on and everyone was locked up, so I was looking on the internet a lot. And I was taking down a rabbit warren and it ended up, getting an article about some so-called expert who was saying that COVID could last up to five years. And it's like, but we've only had it for about th- six months. So yeah. how do you know that it's going to yeah. last five years? That makes no sense whatsoever. And yeah. that made me laugh. And I went, well, yeah, I'm going to put this away. And I got my guitar out and yeah. guitar <laughs> instead. Very but, wise. But yeah, you know, you it's it's you know, even somebody like myself who spent a lot of time researching this yes. can still get sucked into these algorithms. They're very, very careful, clever, very, very clever.
0: clever. Yep. Yeah. And it's a great example for all of us that if you're even at risk and have to. Stay as conscious as you're staying. Then, all of us need to. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the reminders of these things are going to be something that as as Todd said on the show, and you're saying again, have to be will have to eventually be regulated.
1: They will. I mean, we did it with smoking, mm. you know, and we realised smoking was bad for our health. Yep. Uh, and the government said, OK, let's stop. I mean, everybody smoked. I, I remember mm-hmm. my father was a pharmacist and he used to sell uh, marijuana cigarettes for asthmatics. Now, that seems absolutely ridiculous now yeah. to be giving children cigarettes, <laughs> with marijuana in them because of asthmatics. But we realised these weren't good for and We then regulated them appropriately and controlled them and now less lot less people smoke than they used to back then we used to have smoking rooms in in schools for year 11 year 12 students and now we need to realize that this is also a health issue and we need to do something about it and that includes getting it out of the schools and regulating ages as to when it's appropriate and regulating these companies, these multinational companies who are making huge amounts of money and it's only going to get worse until we actually do do something about it because their bottom line is the money Mm. and so they're not going to do something until we actually do make them do something.
0: And just locally in Sydney where we live, the schools have started to regulate the use of phones.
1: Yeah, no, nowhere near enough. There are some great schools that have done the right thing. There's, I know there's a very good all girl school that the girls actually went to the principal, headmaster, and said, we want to get rid of the phones. Um, and so that, I mean, that's fantastic, right, yes. for them to be so aware. Yes. It's just amazing. Um, but th- th- these are very well-educated, very privileged girls who yeah. would understand a lot more than most. Um, but un- unfortunately, the... yeah education minister in this state is still pushing to have sc- phones in schools for some reason there's this idea that if you allow somebody to have something then they'll learn how to regulate it themselves which makes no sense to me whatsoever we need to train them to actually have an attentional mechanism that can control it yep. we need to train them so that they have you wouldn't give a toddler a big bag of lollies and say i'll fill it up whenever it's empty yeah but these are bad for you so don't eat them all Uh, And that's ridiculous, right? Of course, they're going to eat the lollies. You give a child a mobile phone, you give a teenager a mobile phone, they're going to use it Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not going to regulate it. And they're not old enough to regulate it yet because we know the prefrontal cortex Mm -hmm. isn't fully formed until they're 25. And so we need to give them opportunities when they don't have the phones. And there's a huge chunk of opportunity there when they're at school to actually train them, right? And schools should be about two things. They should be about education and they should be about mental health, right? And it should be about making sure kids are learning and making sure that they're happy and healthy, right? Um, And phones decrease our education, right? We know they affect negatively on Mm -hmm. learning. We know they affect negatively on intelligence levels and on Working memory and a whole bunch of things, right? We know that they're bad for the mental health, so and they're bad for their physical health as well. Mm. So why do we have them in schools? There's zero reason for it, and I don't understand. But there must be money involved. (laughs) I can't see why else. That's it. Our minister won't actually act on it.
0: And and there's this common um, public perception that it's a good thing to have the phone and the internet. Um, And as you say, what an opportunity, just like in the office situation, for kids to connect and to be, um, yes, a bit uncomfortable away from the phone to start with, but to have that opportunity to be more connected, to hone those skills, those neural pathways that maybe nowhere else in their lives are going to be able to because they don't get away from their phones. Mm. And the importance of those things... um, that we, you are educating so much, even maybe Ministers of Parliament eventually. Um, but I guess they they sort of bow into public perception for the votes. Um,
1: yeah, and I, I wish they would just go to a school where the phones are banned versus go to a school where the phones aren't banned at mm-hmm. a lunchtime and, and they would see the difference. Yeah, And it is marked the difference. All the schools that I've worked with, you know, I go to them And have a look around at lunchtime before we ban the phones. And the kids are all on the phones. They're not talking to each other. They're sitting there on phones doing nothing. And then you ban the phones and overnight, virtually overnight, they start borrowing the quick cricket equipment. They start playing handball. They start doing all these things which are really, really important. For their future (laughs) and to allow them to understand how to actually communicate and how to relate to each other and how to empathize and how to collaborate and how to negotiate and all those really important things um and and it's virtually overnight the flip that actually happens and we also know that they get better outcomes you get better education when they don't actually have these phones on them and there's beautiful research showing why that is so so i don't understand why we're not doing it i think it's a yeah, it's it's a lack of courage on the behalf of the uh, government.
0: Yeah, and maybe on the behalf of parents as well as all of us as adults to stand up to the big com- mm-hmm. tech companies and technology itself, um, and be in charge of it, be in the driver's seat rather than it be driving us. Um, so. This is, I guess, you know, to borrow a phrase from Todd, one of the the largest unregulated experiments of our time, this internet that we now have dominating us. Do you think there will be a, a sort of sway back with public perception realising eventually um, and pushing back against technology?
1: Yeah, it's it's got to happen at some stage. I just, what worries me is how long until we actually do that. There is going to be, yeah, a lot of issues until we do And uh, I'm nervous about how long that will be. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people will benefit from the fact that we're not doing it um, and I hope that we do it earlier rather than later but i mean all the other technologies that have caused issues i mean cars we didn't regulate there was no licenses there was no road rules there was no any of those things until this accident started happening and all the rest of it and then they realized okay we've got to license these things we've got to work out when people should be driving we should have road rules we should have regulations and then seat belts came in because you realize and so on so it does it takes a while governments take too long to catch up um and and again with smoking you know with alcohol with gambling Mm -hmm. all these things which we realized were actually detrimental Mm. um we started regulating them and then we actually got better control over them i mean some could argue not enough control in relation to gambling but we're getting better um and hopefully we'll get better but again there's a lot of money involved (laughs) and the governments have been lobbied by these very big multinational companies and we the government should be working for us not for the multinationals and so we we need to push the governments to say hey you've got to start acting on responsibly for the community not for these multinationals that are making huge amounts of money out of this
0: there's been a lot of recent media about the increase of adhd and you've mentioned on a um, previous episodes with me that you know for sure, neuroscience knows for sure that um, that this is being caused by device use.
1: Yeah, so we know that there, has been an inc- there is an increase in ADHD dependent on when you actually give a child a device. So the earlier you give a child a device, the more likely they are to be diagnosed with ADHD and the more time a child or a teenager spends on a device, the more likely they are to be diagnosed with ADHD and I had a, I'd a, I've had had a discussion with quite a few people around this and my view is, and, and we don't know, because the biggest issue with ADHD is the only diagnosis is based on the behaviour of the person. So you can't take a blood test and work out whether or not someone has ADHD or not. It's simply based on the behaviour of the individual and so whether or not the devices cause the same outcomes as what we would diagnose as ADHD and therefore there's these kids who are getting diagnosed as ADHD but have the same behaviour or whether or not it actually causes ADHD itself, we don't know because the diagnosis is based on the behaviour. But yes, we are getting increased in diagnosis of ADHD when you have a child on a device for longer or on a device earlier. So you know, and you don't want those behaviours. No, exactly. And
0: surely (laughs) parents will be alarmed by this
1: i hope so i really do i really do i mean the other thing is we know that there's um a difference in the formation of the brain when a child learns how to read on a device versus Mm. learns how to read on paper like the the white matter tracks are different and they don't form as well if a child learns how to read on a device compared to on paper so there's actual brain Mm. damage there yeah, There's a difference in their brains and how they form and they're not forming in the right way if yeah. they learn how to read on a device. And in Australia, we have more devices in schools than any other OECD country. So what are we doing? I don't understand yeah. that. It just makes no sense.
0: Makes no sense. And I think parents would be horrified to hear that, mm-hmm. most parents. And that is how the internet is reshaping us and changing, as you say, the, these generations of children whose brains are forming... And these are the, you know, for their lives ahead of them. Um, it's a big impact.
1: It is. And, and the biggest, uh, when you think that the, the the growth area in Silicon Valley where all these tech entrepreneurs live, the biggest school, the, the schools that they all send their kids to are, the Waldorf schools which ban mobile phones and any devices until the kids are late teens in year 11, 12. And you've got to, as a parent, you've got to sign a contract to say you won't give your child a device until they're in years 11 and 12. So. All the entrepreneurs who are making huge money out of us buying these devices for our kids are sending their kids to schools and signing contracts saying they won't give those kids any devices. I mean, they know something, but we don't know. Oh, and uh, these are private schools yeah. that are extremely expensive. We, we we also know that many of the, the leading entrepreneurs in this area who are making billions of dollars out of selling these devices to us, they you know took devices out of their homes when they had kids, which just tells you everything it does
0: it's just really sad and again look i guess the the flip side is it's an adventure that we are all in and being more conscious and being ahead of the tech companies you know being smarter um is the challenge of our time and and one of the shocking things i also saw you and todd talking about on that that show that wonderful show that people can find back on Channel Ten. that was um produced as a documentary by todd Sampson on how the internet's changing us and the way we view the world back in october 2022 pornography and that's the other big thing that kids of our time have bombarded at them and that as as the show was saying there's no way parents can now be ahead of their kids kids are kids are all over everything
1: yeah yeah no they are and pornography is a huge issue i i I remember uh, a couple of years ago I was at a boys' school and I was talking to the headmaster um, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, he, he acknowledged there were some issues but he didn't think it was as big of an issue as what I thought it was. So we went for a walk around the school. The first classroom we came to which was had a glass so we could actually see into it. The back row there was four boys there and all four of them were watching porn mm. while the teacher was at the front teaching. Oh, my. And of course, he waved straight away to the teacher because he was quite yeah, shocked by it. As soon as the teacher stood up, they just went alt tab because alt tab brings it to a different page, which right. means it's back to their work where they were all working. So it is. I mean, the kids who are on devices in school are watching pornography. It's not something I talk to my daughter about a lot. She's in a very good uh, special school. Um, and she said, you know, the boys, yeah, they're, they're watching this constantly um, in class, um, in um at lunchtime and so on but the biggest problem is not that they're watching pornography it's that the algorithms running in the background again that are driving them to the more extreme. So a, a child could just go on a pornography site to find out you know, something about sex because they're interested. I mean, tall teens are interested in mm. what it's all about. But the next video they'll see, they might see just a normal video of two people having sex. The next one will be a little bit more extreme and the next one will be more extreme and so on. Because we know people adapt and people get bored easily. And so therefore they've got to make them more and more extreme. And before you know it, they're in an awful place. Yes. And they think that's normal. And it's not normal, but they think it's normal. And we know the more a boy or a a teenage boy or an adult watches pornography, the more likely they are to be violent towards women. And we have a big problem with violence towards women in our society. The more likely they are to rape a woman. So we need to be aware that these things are happening. And again, it's these tech companies that are making huge amounts of money out of selling these things to us and it's advertising yeah what they're selling is advertising so they want eyes on the screen and they know that if they make it more extreme each time then you're going to stick to it and you're going to keep watching it and they're going to be able to sell more advertising and make more money
0: and again to your point of the child with the bag of lollies I mean can't expect boys to be regulating this stuff that needs to be regulated for their
1: own safety Mm. and everyone's. Yes. And why why isn't it regulated? I mean, most of these porn sites, you don't even have to click a thing to say you're 18. And if you do have to do anything, you have to click a button to say, I'm 18. But there's no regulation. There's no need to actually show your licence or show that you are actually 18 and that they're not responsible for that. They're, no. they're not held responsible for that. Our government could make them responsible yeah. for them like that like they do with gambling Yes, and, and they don't and I don't know why. It's so shocking, Mark. It's such a brilliant technology <laughs> yeah. and we could be using it for such good. Yeah. Why are we using it for such evil?
0: <laughs> it is such brilliant technology that, yeah, would be great to be used more for good and reined in on the bad stuff so what are some of the solutions for this massive experiment of our time
1: (laughs) so for 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 everybody number one and the easiest thing to do is just turn off all your notifications the notifications that you get the beeps and the bobs and the vibrations and everything else are simply the tech companies wanting your attention so they can make more money Yep. And that's what causes the addiction. So if you turn off all your notifications, it's, it's frustrating because they'll often turn back on, on <laughs> you and things like that. But as long as you, you're consistent and you turn off all your notifications and tell everybody, if you want to talk to me, call me, yep. you know, use it as a phone. Um, and if you're just sending me a message, then I'll get it at some stage. And then you just factor into your day times when you will check your messages or check WhatsApp or whatever though, whatever you want to check, your Facebook or your LinkedIn or da 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 your email and do that when you're ready to, Mm -hmm. not when you get a buzz or whatever. Because we know the tech companies have again, they use intermittent reinforcement. So when you get a like or you get a message or anything like that, they don't send it to you straight away. They send it when it's optimal. For intermittent reinforcement, so that you get more addicted to the actual device. So you don't want them playing with your brain like that. So turn them off, um, and and that's quite easy to do, and yeah. and that'll actually fix it. And and the reason why they're all turned on all the time is because it works so well. Yeah. So that's why they're turned on. So turn those off. Um, the second thing is have periods of time when you're not on a device. Yeah. So have periods on the time where you just go, oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to throw it away
0: like a day here and there
1: a day or just a couple of hours is actually good i, I walk the dog for an hour every morning i don't take a phone with me it's yeah. awesome right and yes. you don't need it i get home and then i check if there are any messages for me but that's really important too leave it at home yep. go and do something else and then come back um also as a family if you if you are a family with kids don't have them at the dinner table mm-hmm. or the breakfast table we know that if there's a phone on the table The conversations between people are are much more shallow than if the phone's not there. So if you want to actually get to know your kids, don't have a phone near you or on your thing and don't let your kids have it either. So have an area where they all charge, where you know where they all are, put them there and leave them there while you're actually conversing with each other.
0: And same in relationships. You know, I often hear people saying, you know, he or she is on the phone constantly. (laughs) Have curfews with phones in your relationship as well.
1: Yeah, I... I, (laughs) It stuns me how, how often I'll go to a cafe or go out for mm. dinner and I'll see other... Couples, yes. you know, texting and things on their phone. Yeah. Or as soon as one gets up to go away, they'll quickly mm-hmm. pick up their phone and do It's okay to be bored Okay, <laughs> It's actually really good for our brains yeah. to be bored occasionally. We come up with new ideas. We actually reset our emotional state and so on when we're bored. And, and so so it's really important. To, yeah. Well, you know, that was the beautiful what old happened, daydreaming. daydreaming. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: when you get epiphanies. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So important yeah. for us as humans to actually yeah. do those things. So, yeah, get rid of them. There, there's a great experiment done where they batched all the notifications on phones so they ran a an experiment and they showed that if they were batched so you only received them two or three yeah. times a day mental health went up after only two days wow. of having them batched and mental health was improved so it really is worthwhile um, with children i would say again restrict the phone mm. and restrict time that they actually have it with my children, my, my daughter is a teenager now and she goes to, uni- um, not university, yeah, it <laughs> feels like university. <laughs> she goes to high school, she has to catch a bus there and afterwards she has lots of things on at school. So we got her a mobile phone so that she could take it on her bus, but she takes it on the bus where she's allowed to use it. When she gets to school, she puts it away. And then when she's on the bus on the way home, she uses it again, because she usually texts me and tells me I'm on the bu- bus on the way to dancing or whatever she's going. Or to a friend's house and then when she comes back and then when she gets home she puts it uh, to be charged in the common area yeah. where all of our phones are charging mm-hmm. But if you're going to do that with your kids, you've got to do it with yourself as well. Yes. Yeah, You've got to do it responsibly and you've got to show yep. that you're willing to do it as well. So we all do it in the family. We do it that way. And my son doesn't yet have one because he doesn't need one yet, but he will at some stage. Mm. But again, we put those restrictions in so that she learns how to do that yeah. so that when she's on herself, by herself, which she will when she goes to university eventually um, – she'll be able to do it herself and it'll be a habit yeah and so she'll just do it automatically and so she won't be constantly on it as opposed to these kids that are on on them constantly and allowed access to them constantly they never learn how to restrict them no. so they never actually get that experience so I, I think that's another one and and the other thing is uh, some of these apps are good one of these apps which is really good is the monitoring app so mm-hmm. put a monitoring app on mm. your phone on everyone's phone and all the devices and monitor what you're doing and then once a week or once a fortnight sit down as a family and look at what you're all doing yes yeah but do it honestly yes <laughs> with all of you yes. and then you can sort of say and it, nothing more empowering than having education and data to actually look at and say hey, Dad, (laughs) you're spending too much time on Facebook or, hey, you know, Mum, look what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great.
0: That is great. And again, being in charge of the internet and making it actually a a way of connecting within the family, really connecting um, as people physically And modelling the behaviour for the kids because we know that kids watch what their parents are doing, not what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that if you're checking your emails only twice a day, whatever it is, then the kids get to see that's the thing and their lives seem to work and they're only checking their emails twice twice a day. Um, And these healthy habits that kids don't have to think up themselves, Mm. they're just absorbing and their brain is developing accordingly and... What a great role model you are as a family for this
1: yeah i think it's, it's really the thing that really struck me was my partner she is um she grew up in an alternative community and they never had a tv mm. and according to this theory that if you don't give them access to it then they can't control it later on uh, she shouldn't be able to control her tv watching <laughs> right and yeah. she doesn't watch tv she never yeah. watches she's not even interested in no. tv so i have a tv because i grew up with a tv and i occasionally watch. TV, Um, not very often probably compared to most, but she has no interest in TV at all because she didn't grow up with it. She wasn't ever, you know, constantly bombarded with it. So she has no interest in it at all. Um, And she lives
0: quite successfully without
1: it. She does, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We need to teach them the good habits, not allow them to constantly do the wrong thing.
0: Yeah, so look, raising awareness, teaching good habits, restricting as a family, in a relationship, buddying each other up on these these ways of managing and being in charge of the internet and it not running our lives Mm -hmm. so that we can make the best of it um, in its, as you say, wonderful things that it does have to offer and um, take the good and leave the bad, if you like.
1: Absolutely. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And schools, if you have children and they're in school, contact the principal and say you you want them banned because they need to be banned. It should be a healthy, happy place. And it's not when there's phones there because they then have access to a whole bunch of... Very nefarious characters.
0: Yeah, and as you say, they're meant to be there at school to learn Mm -hmm. and there's a duty of care for mental health. Absolutely. You can find Professor Mark Williams' programs and other information on his website at www.drmarkwilliams.com. Mark, your wonderful book, The Connected Species, How the Evolution of the Human Brain Can Save the World, is due out twenty. 23 early 2023 and i believe people can pre-order from early 2023 uh being published and distributed by soman and Littlefield and do look back um, if you're interested on channel 10 um television <laughs> uh for mirror, mirror um season 2 um Todd Sampson and Mark Williams professor mark williams appeared on that show very interesting And to contact Mark, uh, have a look in the show notes for his LinkedIn contact. Thank you so much, Mark, for another wonderful episode. Oh,
1: Thank you for having me, Amanda.
0: If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist Service on 1800 333 497, or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14, and Kids Helpline, again 24-7 on 1800 55 1800, and both are free of charge. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.